This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You know, with Kenny out and the Kings winning last night, we didn't have anybody to do Drake bars, and it just happened to fall on Batty Thursday. And Well, I've been nervous for most of the day that Matt George would... Well, Matt hasn't shown up and just done a normal conversation with us in like three weeks. Uh, and for those who aren't watching, uh, for those that are listening on the radio on ESPN 1320 and 98.5 HD Odyssey, all of that good stuff, we, we, we appreciate you. I just want to set the scene for you. For no reason whatsoever, Matt George is sitting in front of his, he's got a scarf on, a jacket. He's got like a plastic flower. It's wood. I think you've got a wood. Why do you have a wood flower in your house? Because art is always appreciated regardless of the material. And he's wearing glasses and it's, it's, it's high level of absurdity. And the truth is, I don't know why, but I'm, I'm very fearful <laughs> as well, to why. Here's the thing. Um, Lord Batty, Matthew George today Jesus heard Christ. that there was an absence of Drake bars from one Kennington. And because we are missing Drake bars, I figured it was necessary to give the people what they want, but there must be a spin. And that spin is instead of Drake bars, we shall up the level of artistry to Drake poetry. So if you'd be so inclined as to start uh, the instrumental that I sent you, I shall give the people what they've asked for all day long. Very good. <clears throat> My dearest kings, oh, the joy you bring, finally leaving basketball hell, surely destined to get a ring. While this season has been a dream, there is just one small thing. I can't go out in public tonight, cause baby, you made me beam. How could I not play the game or back up restart? <laughs> 
how could I not when you play the game? I'll get this out. (laughs) Play the game the way you do. It was just so unexpected. Apparently LeBron always knew. Oh, I couldn't be ashamed of thee, and why should I be? You'll never see me like a ref out tweeting an apology. These 16 years have gone rather badly, but it's time for my finale. For without you, my heart would break. Out for months, Marvin Bagley. (laughs) And one more thing before I quit, I cannot end without it. If De'Aaron Fox is not an all-star, then the NBA is... Yeah! Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't do that again. Don't, don't do that again. Don't do that again. Okay. All right. Snap, snaps in the chat. Snaps in the chat. I hate life. Well, as Dr. David is saying, it was a good run. I mean, two and a half years. I always knew Matt would kill... I always knew Matt would be the death of one of my radio shows and here we are i'm almost two for two (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how do we recover man how do we recover from that i don't know but the fumble in the middle was an (laughs) all-time moment because kenny fumbled like two weeks ago but tried really hard to pretend like he didn't like he did it on purpose and i let it ride like oh okay like yeah no no i get it it's part of the bit um that's that's good stuff matt we appreciate your you live the gimmick my man we appreciate your commitment to the character art is not a character art is me art is who i am have you started through me have you started consuming weed or no (laughs) i don't want to die of course (laughs) anyone who's followed matt george for a long time knows weed will kill you i don't want to overdose yeah weed will weed will kill you Okay, I, I don't. To answer James' question, I don't know. James is just sitting there in silence. Who James? Now James is going to call in sick tomorrow, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm left with with nothing. Well, James is a writer. He's appreciative of the arts. So, yeah, the arts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the arts to start. Uh, oh, that middle where you where you had the mistake. It reminded me when, when my sister was little. Um, she had one of those books that like would read along with you and we weren't paying attention and she basically had memorized the book. Um, and then every time, every time that she, while she was reading it with the book, she would actually say, turn the page, turn the page to flip the page over because she thought that that was part of what was on the words as well. So it, it kind of reminded me of that, Matt. That's adorable. You know, I'll take that. That's inspirational. I'll write a poem about that. There we go. Well, uh, oh, by the way, the title of the poem was uh, you uh, wait. No, hold on. Let me make sure I get the title right. You made me beam. That is the name of the title of the poem. <laughs> you weren't sure. No, I forgot. You wrote it. I, it's art just flows through me through my subconscious. So here's here's <laughs> how do we I don't know how you recover. It's on you. Well, here's the thing, whether it's Drake bars or this newly minted Drake poetry. You're welcome. Ultimately, what it means is the Sacramento Kings won. So if I have to sit through Drake bars or Drake poetry, 
I'll gladly do that for the Sacramento Kings uh, to get a few more victories. Uh, and they got one last night against the San Antonio Spurs, Matt. Um, let's start there. Let's start with last night's game before we move on. Uh, what stood out to you uh, in last night's win for, for the Kings in San Antonio? First off, excellent segue. Masterful work. Uh, second off, uh, I mean, the fact that you get 75% of your scoring comes from three players. Like, that's <laughs> that's pretty significant, considering the Sacramento Kings have had a lot of success this season. If you look at the majority of their wins and look at the box scores, you'll consistently, consistently see six players in double figures. Like, the Kings have been a win-by-committee type offense, which has been really exciting. Uh, Sometimes they've had seven players score double figures and multiple games. They've had three guys scoring 20 plus, which I have not, I don't remember really seeing before this season, unless it was like back in Isaiah Thomas, Rudy Gay and DeMarcus cousins. And that's because those were the only three that scored period on those teams. So like as great as it is to see a good team offense, when the Kings are struggling from three point uh, range, as much as they are on this trip, they're shooting 28%. I think it's like 26 of 90 from three-point range over these three games. Uh, When the team is struggling in in an area that they normally succeed, I put it upon the two stars, Fox and Sabonis, who had 65 last night combined. Like I put it on the two of them to carry the load, and hopefully one or two guys step up. And I was listening earlier, like Malik Monk put the Kings over the edge and and, and helped them win this game with his 22 points. But you And Harrison gave you 14. Yeah you get a little more from Keegan or a little more from Kevin. And you can normally expect the two of them to reach double digits. Like the Kings put that game away a lot earlier than they did. And I think James pointed that out earlier in the show, but I I think it shows a depth to this team or an ability for this team to win in different ways. And like someone pointed out on Twitter, I thought it was really simply and well put good teams, find ways to win games when they're not, when they're not playing at their best. And that's what the Kings did last night, regardless of the competition. Yeah, Matt, what do you think of the, uh, we've seen the defense sort of pick up, and we've also seen like the style of defense changing a little bit, where they're more aggressive, they're they're going for steals, they're going for deflections, where I did not think that that was part of what they did earlier in the season. Do you think that that is sustainable? Do you think it's like maybe playing to the strengths, maybe trying to hide weaknesses that this Kings team has, and, and just trying to get the defense to figure out some way to be better? Yeah, I'm curious on on both of your perspectives on this, too, because one thing that I've noticed a lot about the Kings defense as of late is, I mean, of course, they were killed in the paint for a good stretch where they were giving 40, 50, 60, well, 40, actually, Mike Brown was happy with. It was like 50, 60, 70 points at times uh, per game up in the paint. And I'm and a lot of times that's blamed on bigs. But in reality, it would start with breakdowns on the perimeter and paint touches from guards. But I've noticed Mike Brown and the Kings have kind of incorporated a give them more outside looks. They're not going to get to the paint with ease, but let them shoot more from the outside. And if they beat us with their outside shooting, so be it. Like, and then we saw that with D'Angelo Russell hitting seven threes in the first half in the first game of the the Minnesota Timberwolves game. And then the the Toronto Raptors, who are normally not a good three-point shooting team, they shot really well from three-point range in that final home game, if I'm remembering correctly, before the road trip began. So... It's a gamble to some extent, but I think it's a better gamble to take than the Kings trying to handle both and getting beat on the perimeter, which was leading to far too many opportunities in the paint. The Kings still haven't locked down the paint by any means, but the priority defensively seems to be control this area and dare them to shoot. And if they beat us there, so be it. 
I love I, I, I love the idea, the point that you made about good teams finding a way to win when what they do best uh, isn't working. And that's something that James and I talked about earlier. Um, the fact that like and I actually used your um, your 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 three point stat uh, that you posted on Twitter last night. Um, that I think about that's one of the most encouraging signs from the Kings that I think we've seen uh, in a long time. The fact that the you know as Kenny calls it their superpower, the fact that the the hundred and thirty point capability, hundred and thirty four five point capability wasn't there the last couple of nights, and they were able to get games that they needed. You needed to get a win uh, on the the, the, the the second game against Minnesota. You needed to beat San Antonio just because they're not very good and. They were able to do that, and I think all of us thought, well, they've had a couple of rough games shooting the three. Oh, it'll start to drop tonight. Like, they're going to find their rhythm, and you couldn't. You had a game where uh, uh, Kevin Herter played 18 minutes uh, because of the shot not falling and because of what Malik Monk was doing, and, man, that's that's one of the most positive signs. I think we can, when we pick apart this Kings season and point to certain moments, I think this particular moment is a really positive one that we'll be able to point to uh, when these 82 games are done. Yeah, there's a lot of encouraging pieces to take away from these last two games, in my opinion. Like, first and foremost is how Malik Monk has stepped up and gotten back to form, and we see just how much better the Kings are when Malik plays at that level. Like, it's he's just, and this is on the road. We know if Malik was putting up the numbers and doing some of the things, like if Malik had gone for that dunk inside the Golden 1 Center, even if he missed it, that place would have blown up. Like, and even on the alley-oop that Fox threw to Malik last night, like the Golden 1 Center would have blown up. So we know the effect that Malik has on the home crowd. Um, but like, uh, going back to the, the Minnesota the first Minnesota game where the Kings lost, like De'Aaron Fox scores 21 of his 29 points in the fourth quarter. That's fourth quarter Fox. He gives them a chance to win that game. Ultimately, they, they lose. A lot of the comments that I'm getting on Locked on Kings are, okay, but Fox had only eight points through the first three quarters. Like, I need more from Fox throughout the course of the game, especially when the Kings are struggling offensively. So these next two games, I mean, he still scored 29 points in that game. The next two games, he's broken 30. And he and DeMontis Sabonis very significantly last night carried the load. Sabonis looked excellent uh, scoring the basketball, which is something I asked more of him after the Toronto Raptors loss. So whether it's gearing up for their their closing arguments, for their chances at being all-stars or whatever it is, like it, it shows how dangerous they are offensively. And I have confidence that the guys that are struggling off of the bench are going to figure it out too. Plus the fact that another stat that I put out last night, D-Lo, because I looked it up, I was trying to figure out like, in, in addition to the dominance of Fox and Sabonis, like what are the Kings doing right as a team to where they're still winning these games and even hanging around these games when they're shooting so poorly? And one of the things that jumped out to me is they're averaging 10 turnovers a game during this road trip. So they're taking care of the basketball. They're not making those kind of mistakes. And their field goal percentage inside the three-point line uh, is pretty good as well. So they're doing things that you would expect a good team to be able to do consistently, even when the shooting is not there. The only thing that I really can't explain, but I'm enjoying the hell out of it, uh, and James, maybe you have an explanation for this, is how much better defensively, defensive rating-wise, the Kings are on the road compared to at home. And my theory for this is, like, my small theory is when the Kings play at home, the Kings play their sexiest, prettiest, most fun offensive basketball in their own building. They shoot way better, and I think they average 10 more points per game at home than they do on the road. So that is where they play at their best. And typically when the Kings are scoring and shooting really well, they kind of take plays off defensively because they're confident they can outscore. And that's a common thing in the NBA, right? A lot of teams, when you see them drop or put up 140 points, they still give up 120. They win by 20, so nobody talks about it, but they kind of relax on the defensive end because they can't miss offensively. 
when the Kings play on the road, they have to scrap. And even if it gets ugly, it's still like, I think the scrappy type of play is honestly sometimes more encouraging than when they're hitting shots at home. Yeah, Matt, I would like to see the difference in net rating when they're at home and when they're on the road, Mm -hmm. because that's really what matters. Like, it doesn't matter if you're like, if you're riding the crowd noise and, and putting up 10 more points a game, but you're also giving up 10 more points a game, as long as you're consistent with both. And like I've looked and there are players who have like crazy road and home splits. I know Kevin Herter's one that like much, much better at home than he is on the road. Um, I think Monk is the same thing, just like their overall efficiency and stuff is better when they're at home than on the road. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's it's interesting like to dive into the numbers and try to figure out why it is that they're doing something um, like that where they're just not great defensively, um, you know, at home. So uh, I don't know. Outside of that, Matt, like today's a big day for the Kings. I mean, mm-hmm. we're seeing the Fox News that, you know, we, we're not sure, but he's going to miss the game tomorrow with personal reasons. Uh, and we can only assume that that probably means that baby Fox is on the way or, or something. It's our little um, beam but, baby. It's our, what it's was our, that? It's our beam baby. Yeah, the the oh the beam baby. Okay, um, all right. So, but Matt, uh, do you think like what's your what's your thoughts? Is Fox going to get in to the All Star game tonight, or do you think that uh, he's going to be left off the roster? You didn't hear my the end of my poem that Damien so rudely cut off to save his radio show and again off the FCC. again yeah, just for the, the end, second yes. time. Jesse was hovering over the dump button the entire time, and I appreciate him for it. Uh, no, like I, I think De'Aaron Fox is absolutely, or he should absolutely be in. And I put a lot of weight into the context of a season. I think Mike Brown talked about this too not too long ago when he was talking about putting Sabonis and Fox in the All-Star game. He said, hopefully people will really take into account the wins and how this season has gone versus just the numbers. Like, I think a lot of people are lazily comparing Fox's numbers to Damian Lillard's numbers and going Damian Lillard is obviously in. There's almost a 10 spot difference. I think it's, so it's an eight spot difference because the Portland's in 11th. Now they were in 12th last night. They won. So now they're in the 11th. There's an eight spot difference in the standings between those two teams. And the 11th is still not in the plan. I don't care how big the gap is between 11 and 10. I don't care. They're still not in the plan at the time of all-star selections. De'Aaron Fox and the Sacramento Kings are now, DeMontis Sabonis gets a lot of credit for that. Of course, he's an absolute lock to make the all-star game. Like there's no fathomable idea or like scenario in my brain where uh, Sabonis is not announced as as a all-star tonight. But for De'Aaron, I understand him being French. I'm okay with him being a wild card. Like I understand in terms of backcourt, it's probably John Shea and I'm okay with that. Like I'm, I'm really okay with that. Um, Just because their, their circumstances, their situations, but to me, I, I beefed with a little bit of uh, Damian Lillard lovers because to me, if if Damian Lillard were to get the selection, which he's deserving of, for my money, the two wild cards are Dame and Fox. If Dame gets in, though, and let's say they go with Anthony Edwards or someone else and Fox doesn't get in, to me, the message that the league is sending to De'Aaron Fox is it would be more in your best interest to stat hunt and to get your own personal numbers and not care about winning. That's essentially the message that is being sent. Because De'Aaron, I think, is capable of scoring 30 a night, but he doesn't have to on this team. And I would argue if De'Aaron tried to go out and score 30 a night, the Kings would not be as good as they are right now. The Kings wouldn't win as many games as they are right now because De'Aaron Fox clearly conserves his energy for fourth quarter Fox. Plus, we have to take the clutch numbers into account. So many of these wins are directly because of the effort that De'Aaron Fox puts in in that final quarter. He's the best clutch uh, scorer in the league. He's shooting like over 60% in the clutch. Like De'Aaron absolutely deserves to be there. So 
I would be very upset. I would be very frustrated, write another angry poem and send it to the league today if Fox does not get in. Um, But I think a lot of people wouldn't be surprised by it, and that's a problem to me. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Well, we'll find out soon. Uh, The announcements will begin uh, at the top of the 4 o'clock hour on TNT. Of course, we'll carry those live on uh, the video stream on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, as well, of course, if it's anything like the All-Star announcements, they'll make one announcement and they'll spend 10 minutes talking about that person like they did when they announced LeBron James made the All-Star team and then spent 10 minutes talking about uh, LeBron James before announcing the rest of them. Uh, what do you think happens moving forward? There's still a lot of road trip left. There's there's four games, and I think the next two are a bit unique for a variety of different reasons. Uh, Indiana's s- stepping on the cl- floor here in a few minutes to take on the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I actually didn't even check. I, James, you know better than I do. I think the, the doesn't the starting lineup have to be announced by now? I'm assuming Tyrese is back. Uh, Tyrese is available. So Tyrese is, in fact, uh, back tonight for uh, the Lakers and the Pacers. Um, that's a Pacers team that, depending on what direction they decide they want to go, and that, that very much is a question, if they want to get back and fight themselves back into this, this is a team that's desperate. And then you've got the New Orleans Pelicans, who also play tonight against the, I think it was the Dallas Mavericks. They've got the Sacramento Kings coming up on Sunday. These are two teams that aren't bad, but two teams that are playing very badly. How do you look at these next two games for Sacramento on this road trip? 
Indiana, especially, and this was before, uh, or I had this feeling long before we we found out that Fox was going to be missing uh, tomorrow night's game for personal reasons. And if it's for the reasons that we expect, I'm okay with Fox missing two weeks. If I mean, understanding as a father, and, and James, you can speak to this too. Like, if De'Aaron Fo- if the Kings fall from third to eighth because De'Aaron Fox is out, it sucks. But it's more important things and and i hope fans would appreciate that and from what i've seen and what i understand from the the vocal minority everybody's extremely supportive so that's great um i don't but, think his wife would let him miss two weeks no, she might get out of the house now go play <laughs> um and i i understand that too um to me like regardless of fox's availability like i think indiana is going to come out with a desperation to punch the Kings in the mouth simply because of what the Kings did to them in Sacramento. Mm. And there was no, like, I I'm convinced that Tyrese had the Kings uh, Pacers game in Sacramento circled. He circled it probably another 10 times that night after the beatdown that the Kings gave the Indiana Pacers, because he is, I mean, that's the competitor that Tyrese is not to mention the videos come out of buddy Heald saying some nice things about Sacramento. Uh, and I'm being sarcastic there uh, since that time. Like I think this team is going to be energized, not just for the reasons you brought up D for, um, their standings and their season and their situation. That's more than enough to, to play for right there. I think they're determined to prove that what happened, uh, is, is an absolute fluke. And in, in fact, they are probably hoping to return the flavor, favor on their home floor and spoil DeMontis Sabonis's homecoming, which nobody is talking about, by the way. Like I, I reached out to a couple people in Indiana, like Domas is coming back. Is that a big deal? They're like, Oh yeah, Domas is coming back. I'm like, what the hell you mean? Oh yeah. Like this guy's an all-star and in the MVP conversation at this point, he's not going to win it, but he's in the conversation at least on some people's ballots. So there's two uh, things of note there. Part of the reason is DeMontis Sabonis isn't talking about it. I truly don't think he cares. Mm-hmm. Two, they probably forgot Domas even played there. The well, way that they discarded him and, 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 and the fact that he doesn't bring them up every five minutes, they're probably, oh, yeah, he did play here. Oh, he, All-star? Oh, yeah, no, he's a good ball player. J.J. Reddick's not having him on the podcast, but you're absolutely right. He hasn't said anything, and at the same time, like the version that we're seeing of Domas is not the version that Indiana had. This is Domas unlocked. This is Domas mm-hmm. at his absolute best, what's happening here in Sacramento. So Domas was a two-time All-Star and great for the Indiana Pacers. This Domas now is, I think, leagues better than what he showed in Indiana, and he did it because he's in the right situation with the right coach and the right partner in De'Aaron and a great supporting cast around him. So I think Domas is hopefully going to be up and excited and ready to play in front of the Indiana Pacers fans again. But I expect Indy to be angry and then like you said with the pelicans i expect the pelicans to be desperate because they have literally what lost nine straight or something like that like they have just slid so um these next two games i think if the kings come out of these next two games two and oh like that's a tremendous win split one and one should be the goal you know everyone's watching you look at your phone like do you see what's going on in the chat house What, what what is going on over there james tell us i'm like the chatty house tell us tell us james I can't look at the screen because Matt Matt's glasses and and his look today. So I'm not telling you guys anything. By the way, yeah, I'm just gonna say I, I know you look know fantastic, nothing. Matt. I just I just want to say that you you look fantastic. Cheers. You look fantastic. I'm I'm going to Oxford after this. So <laughs> you don't know where Oxford is. Isn't that in yeah. North Carolina? Okay. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yes, Matt. Yeah, that's where it's at. It's in um, North Carolina. 
Yeah, I, I think this has been a uh, an interesting show today, Matt. Like <laughs> you've got you got us kind of off kilter. Um, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to this evening. What's going to happen with all stars and everything else, so we can uh, what discuss a tremendous that. Tremendous guest, by the way. Such a tremendous know. guest. I'm so I'm, I'm such a tremendous. As soon as I heard you announce that, I was oh such. Oh yeah, tonight's happy hour is going to be nuts. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I've we got a lot going on, um, but. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this team, Matt, it's, it's been fun to cover this team. It's They're surprising us of, at, at every step. And I just wonder, like, how far do you think that they're able to keep – how long do you think they're able to keep this up? Is this a legitimate 3-4-5 uh, seed? Like, where are you at? Like, where would you place them? It Like, being realistic and looking at how they've played so far this season. Yeah, I think 50 games in is more than a big enough sample size. Like, I, I don't think this team is a fluke. I think they absolutely belong where they're at. For them to secure it, though, like we talk about getting playoff experience, which this team is going to get this year, and I feel very confident like saying that, and I think they're playing isn't going to end up being a factor for the Kings. I think they're getting straight into the playoffs, which is amazing, which I said was best-case scenario for this team, and I thought that was top of the top of the top of the mountain coming into the season. That being said... I think the final 20 games of the season where they're fighting against the experienced playoff teams and, and, and former champions that are right behind them or Western Conference Finals, uh, uh, Western Conference champions that are behind them that are going to be chomping at their heels two, three games back. Like, I think that's going to be a tremendous test in itself. The Kings have a target on their back. And if there are a lot of teams that are looking below saying, we want one of those top four spots, who is in that top four that we most likely could beat out? The Kings are probably at the top of everybody's list because the Kings haven't been there before. James, you and D'Lo, uh, I think you and D'Lo and Casey discussed this yesterday, talking about how important the these next few games are. And I think this road trip is also extremely important too, to get out of this road trip to still be nine, 10 games over 500 would be tremendous. Um, I think to get to the, if you can sprint and not limp into the all-star break, which is seven games away now, I think that's tremendous too. Um, and then you're setting yourself up for a tough fight at the end of the year. So long way of answering your question. I do believe the Kings are legitimate. I do believe they deserve to be here and they're ready for this task. Uh, and I think I truly do believe that it is not unfathomable this team host a playoff series, like or have the home court advantage in a playoff series. Um, but regardless, once they get in, at that point, it's house money to me. You said that you think this team is legitimate. I think that's something all all, all three of us believe. But I want to narrow it down to a more specific aspect of their game, and that's what we've seen on the defensive end, particularly lately. Um, we they, it was a couple of nights ago that they had a, a, a season high in steals. Uh, De'Aaron Fox has been using the word disruptive. I think Mike Brown uses the word disruptive when he talks about this defense. And, and James and I were kind of hammering down the difference between being a team that does disrupting things on the defensive end versus being the Boston Celtics or being the Milwaukee Bucks, who entire game plan is destroying your life on the defensive end. Do you think the Kings can carry over this increased intensity that they've had on that end? Um, not just for the rest of this road trip, but you got a big series coming up, a big two-game series against the Dallas Mavericks immediately after that. And this is an aspect of their game that if they want to be successful moving forward, it's going to have to stick around. You believe the Kings are legitimate, but how legitimate is that side of the ball? Oh, I, I think it's probably something that we can dissect micro like with a microscope if we want to like and, and it's going to get to that point where especially when we start getting not just a playoff time but like I said the final couple weeks of the season like 
defense, I think, is going to be the difference maker to, between the Kings staying where they're at and falling into like that fifth, sixth spot. Uh, which is, again, as far as I think they're going to fall. Because I think the offense is good enough for them to tread water. But I don't think the treading water is going to be good enough for some of these kings or some of these teams that are going to be gunning for them. Now, the good news is, like, with a lot of these games, the Kings actually have tiebreakers in their favor. Or it's tie- Like, I think they split two and two with Memphis, right? They have the tiebreaker mm-hmm. against the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, I mean, Dallas is coming up here, and Dallas is another team that's going to be on their heels. Um, I, if I'm missing any, James, because the Nuggets have, are 2-1 on the Kings, or they're at least 1-1 one one because of the two games in Sacramento. I don't remember if they've played in Denver. So uh, tiebreakers aside, like I think the defensive side of the ball could be where the Kings solidify or hold the, the line, and maybe that's enough incentive for Monty to pull off a Matisse-Thibel move if he thinks that's what's necessary or go out and get someone who can just help bolster the defense enough for them to just... Because I've always said this team is middle of the pack defensively. They're a really, really good basketball team. I think right now they're like 20th or 21st or something like that. And it's not that big of a gap between like 17th or 18th. So it's possible for them to do that. To ask them to do that consistently, though, while while continuing to put together the offensive output that they've been putting together, I think it's a tough ask for this roster. So maybe that's, again, enough incentive for the Kings to make a, a trade deadline move. Yeah, Matt, it's interesting you talk about like the uh, the teams and like sort of the tiebreaker stuff. Uh, realistically, they've they beat the Lakers, but outside of that, all of the other tiebreakers that they're going to have uh, with teams like they haven't played Dallas yet. They haven't played New Orleans le- yet. Uh, they're one and one against Denver with one game to go. They're two. They're one and two against Golden State with uh, with one game to go. They're one and one against the Clippers. So they still have a bunch of these tiebreakers. The one good thing is I will point out that they haven't lost a tiebreaker yet. You know, even the Timberwolves, they still have two games against the Timberwolves, and they're they're one and one against them. They're one and zero oh against the Thunder uh, with two games remaining. So. Um, strangely enough, they've only played the Suns one time, which is weird that you play the Suns one time, um, but you've already played a team like the Warriors three times. Eight times. Lakers four times. Or the Lakers, yeah. The Lakers, Lakers are done. Four. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it, it's very strange. It's very strange how this is all playing out. But like those are things that you have to remain hyper-focused on if you're this team. That The game against New Orleans this weekend, it's huge. You need that win. You need that win to to get a little bit of an advantage over that team, especially if Zion comes back anytime soon, which I mean, we still don't know when that is. And we don't even know if he's going to be able to play in the all-star game. So, you know, there's, there's a lot that still has to be decided here, but I think, I think it is good that they're starting to knock off some of these teams that they're, they're competing with for, uh, for the playoffs. And speaking of scheduling, are you guys fans of the back-to-back games against the same team? They have the second time they're going to have back-to-back games against Houston. They just had back-to-back games against Minnesota. They're going to have back-to-back games coming up here against Dallas. I don't like it. I don't know. I don't like it. I think it's interesting. It's uh, I don't hate it. It it it, it's strong playoff vibes. Um, a quick chance to make some adjustments. Uh, in the the Houston is a literal back-to-back, right? Or yeah. or is it just okay? So I no no. It's on the second night of a back to back. They play New Orleans and Houston, then a day off, then Houston okay. again. Gotcha. So you're correct. The the, the Dallas one is a legitimate back to back. That's a Friday Saturday Friday Saturday uh, exactly. matchup. Yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't mind it. What do you hate about it? 
I just, I, I mean, it's more picky sports fan seeing the Kings play the same team twice. Cause sorry, haven't watched the playoffs, not used to that. <laughs> um, so maybe, uh, maybe I can start getting used to it and I should start enjoying it a little bit more, but also the first real taste that we got to it at home was the Rockets. And I was just like, eh, like seeing the Rockets play twice in a row. I was not the biggest fan of that. I wish it was a little more exciting. I probably enjoyed it a little bit more with Dallas. Let's put it that way. It's a, I think it's an interesting, just an interesting wrinkle to the, to the, I get it for scheduling. Have the same team. Like if Houston's going to be in Sacramento, have them play twice and get out of there. If Sacramento's going to be in Houston and have them play twice and get out of there. So I get it from a scheduling standpoint. It's just my uh, old man, get off my lawn issue of the day. That that adds up. Do you like any, um, you mentioned the trade. Do you like any trade targets that have been discussed, linked, rumored, or just guessed about as it pertains to Sacramento? I'm pretty underwhelmed about everything to do with this trade deadline because that's what I think the trade deadline is going to be for the Kings. Like, I if, if the Kings roll into, uh, what is it? It's the ninth. So if they roll into the 10th and this roster is the exact same, I would see zero problem with that. Zero problem whatsoever. I trust Monty McNair completely. So if he decides that there's a player, like, I, I think the only thing where I'm like, okay, it would be nice for the Kings to use the the trade exception, that that $4 million trade exception that, you, uh, that we've talked a lot about. It would be nice for that just not to go to waste because $4 million can get you a player in the range that is what the Sacramento Kings are targeting. Like to me, the top seven on this team is untouchable with the exception of like a blow my socks off trade, which just isn't going to happen or shouldn't happen for this team at this point. It just doesn't make sense. So if you're looking to get an eighth or ninth man that can come in and, or help, maybe at best seventh man that can come in and help, I think the biggest argument that I can make for making a move is try and find someone who can take a little bit of the load off Fox and Sabonis to help them get into the playoffs and not be completely burnt out. Because the reality is once we get into the playoffs, Fox and Sabonis are playing 40-plus minutes a night. Like, that's that's the situation. So whether it's um, uh, Mason Plumley, whether it's, like, Josh Richardson, whoever it is, like, if it's a guy that, that comes in and can hold down 10 to 12 minutes a night, Richardson's case, maybe, like, 15 minutes a night, and do it well, great. If Monty thinks that guy's out there and the price is worth it, pull the trigger on that. But I don't think there's going to be any move that the Kings make that is going to be worth like going, oh my gosh, this is huge for the Kings. I could be wrong. And I, I, the way that I discussed it with Brendan, Frankie, and, and, uh, and Chris not too long ago was like, I don't think there's going to be a move out there that realistically the Kings make that is going to be the difference for the Kings in winning or losing a playoff series. That's the way I look at it. So I'm expecting to be underwhelmed a little bit, and I'm A-OK with that based off the fireworks we got last year. It, 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 I think. Sorry, James, go ahead. I think there are plenty of moves that the Kings could make that could that could change the outcome of a playoff series. I mean, I, I just like I, I look at their their top six of the rotation. I think is is untouchable at this point, but I don't think I'm going above six at the at, anymore. Um, like I, they could make moves to improve their team, and we talked about a little bit. Like you know, Kenny's thought is that Matisse Thybul. What is he like? Is Casey Akpala like eighty percent better? Um, I mean, is, is Thibel like 80% better than, no, is he 80% of what Thibel is as far as like Paula? And it's like, well, that matters at this point. Like the Kings are in a point where getting a player who's 20% better than another player, it does matter. And if they can find players that are 20% better than their seven, eight, nine, ten 10 guys, 
they should do it because this is a, a rare opportunity for you to not only solidify yourself as a playoff team, but potentially give yourself a, a bump up in a first round playoff matchup that if you do well enough, could be at your home court. Well, it's, I'll, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, it's fun that last year, James, Matt, we spent a ton of time talking about this team needs to swing for the fences. Mm. Uh, and they did. And it's clear they hit a home run. And that's going to be really evident here, uh, I think, in the next couple of minutes. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t